right, Mark? From now on, nothing goes down unless I'm involved. No categories, no medals, no nothing. A pondering happens at midnight, I want in. <laughs> Tonight we discuss a movie so poorly received in its premiere, even the director's wife walked out on it. Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspects. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm going to make them an awfully gown with you. Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. Mark, what are we watching this week? Oh my gosh, that was an epic intro. I love it. This was a great teaser this week. Um, that was awesome. Hey, everybody. We're watching King of New York from 1990. And for those that need a refresher of King of New York, we are talking about drug lord Frank White and his release from Sing Sing Prison after serving a number of years for drug trafficking. He is reunited with his former gang, led by the murderous Jimmy Jump, as well as his personal female bodyguards and his lover and legal analyst Jennifer. After seeing his old neighborhood more dilapidated and depressing than ever, Frank decides to do good by eliminating his competitors who filled the void left by his incarceration, then steal their money and drugs to finance a new hospital for the needy. But Frank's past won't let go of him when a group of overzealous cops led by corrupt detective Roy Bishop, frustrated at the lack of clues to nail Frank on for the current street killings, decide to take matters into their own hands. Thank you, Mr. Matt Pate, for your contributions to IMDb. It was a very thorough recap for us this week. Jeff, we're missing our compadre, Nico, but uh, we're going to fill that void, hopefully, for everybody. And uh, how, you, bud? how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Good. Tough void to fill, but I think we'll, uh, we're going we're gonna to do our best. Um, this was a fun movie. Why don't you, uh, moment in time, kind of, this is the first time both of us saw this. Yeah, skip um, by both of us. Makes so, sense. And- I was eight when it came out, and you were nine. So I, yeah, yeah. and not not a, not a movie our parents were probably gonna uh, gonna roll up with us on, and not one we were probably gonna seek out ourselves. Actually, was really close to getting an X rating with all the with all the violence. Uh, why don't you just give me your initial reaction? So my initial reaction was a couple of things. This is the movie that. Biggie raps about his songs because this is who Frank White is finally. And I made that connection. So that was my instant connection because we all listen to at our age range. You you as well. I was a and, huge Biggie fan. And this yeah. this connected a lot of dots for me. I always wondered who I, the fuck he was talking about when he was talking about Frank White. I had I no idea. <laughs> and, and then I made the connection of how the black community particularly loves this movie. And it totally made sense after seeing it now. And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally, I totally get it. So I connected all these dots. So it was kind of a fun initial reaction. Plus Chris Walken, how can you not smile at Chris Walken in almost anything he does? There's just something about him on screen. He just commands your attention and he 
Definitely did in this. But what about you? What was your initial reaction? Yeah, uh, similar to yours. Like once I saw the like connected those dots, I kind of got it. Uh, it was oh, interesting movie. So I, I actually watched this thing uh, twice. Uh, and the first the first time, I didn't really get it. I was I, I liked there were parts I really liked, but I felt that I had a hard time following the story, and it was kind of a so-so movie for me. But then the on my second watch, I kind of fell in love with it, and I kind of got it. Um, it really it feels it feels like a movie that could have been great. I don't yeah. think it's great. Um, I think there's really good shit here, and a lot we're going to discuss. But one of the reasons I liked it so much the second time was I kind of knew what was happening and I did some reading in between and some research. And when I understood, when I understood Frank's mission, I was like all bought in. Uh, I really feel like the script could have done a better job of setting the scene and um, painting a better picture of what he was trying to do. Right. And we would have I been think, like, we would have totally been on Frank's side. And we would have been all in and like ready to go. But like, it doesn't do that very well. And yeah. it wasn't until that second watch, on the second watch, once I knew the plot, all of a sudden I'm loving every scene. And so yeah. it's almost a movie where the sum of its parts aren't as good as the, the movie's not as equaling up to the sum of its part. Because there's some great scenes, there's great acting, there's great dialogue, but it does not get all tied together. And I don't know if that's the script's problem, the editing's problem, or kind of a, kind of, or the director's issue. But something's not quite there, and it sounds like I'm bashing this movie. I'm not. I, this was a good, enjoyable movie, but I really feel like this could have been one of the greats a, that we would be talking, that... There's no way it would have skipped us by if a few minor changes would be made. I think they got some of the hard stuff down and some of the easy stuff they kind of screwed up. Um, yeah. N- not that anything's easy, but you I'm sure you know what I mean. But kind of just moving right along, what worked for you? Frank White and Jimmy Jump. I, I the, love Lawrence Fishburne. Actually, he goes by Larry Fishburne in this movie. That's how early this movie yep. was in his career. But uh, without Frank White, this movie is extremely forgettable, I would imagine. So, without Agreed. Chris Walken playing Frank White, particularly, I guess, is they, what I meant there. They uh, originally wanted, uh, they wrote it, uh, the director wrote it with Harvey Keitel in mind. Which? And Harvey Keitel hated the script. So that's why that's, Walken got it. Wow. And then Harvey Keitel went and started in Bad Lieutenant, which is From that same director's director. other movie. Yep. Like this yep. person, he's got two movies basically. There's our career corner for Abel Ferreira, the director. Uh, he did a bunch of TV stuff too, but in the pilot to Crime Story, which was a popular show. But uh, right, well, he did a lot of uh, Miami Vice season one, Miami Vice. Yeah, for sure. Which, yeah, that's you, you can, can see that in this. You see that in that exactly that kind of gritty, like you totally see that in this film. I'm stepping this all over your what really, works. No, I know, but this was just a really... We're going to step all over each other because it's just the two of us this week. Good point, good point. That's kind of what happens. But I, what really worked, it's just... It was fun to see all these young performances. It was fun to see a very early Larry Fishburne. It was really fun to see Wesley Snipes before New Jack City. He was living in his car. I know we both have talked about this before. 
it went, it, the story is at least that he was living in his car when they made this movie. Yep. And then the very next movie he made is New Jack City, and he hit it out of the park with that. And then that's you know all she wrote. But uh, and then we see, get see it's so I feel like this could have been a better movie than New Jack City. It's not, but I feel like it could have been. It's just yeah. a few minor tweaks. I think it is depending on who's watching it though. It, it, like fair. Like I said, this fair. is a this is a really. It's a really home run of a movie for the the African American community, particularly, just because in in the gangster movies they're they're never glorified in the gangster movie. This is their glorified gangster movie, and glorif- in the in gangster movies always glorify the gangster element. <laughs> and you know that that was a that was by total accident, right? Yeah, because James Russo was supposed to actually play the Jimmy Jump character. Yeah, which is and just crazy. It totally The works. reason, I guess as good a time as any to tell that, should I, should I tell the quick Jim, Jimmy, James yeah, Russo yeah. story? Yeah. So the reason, the reason he wasn't in it was he refused to get spit on by David Caruso. Mm. And he said, there is no way I'm letting that red-headed fuck spit on me. <laughs> that's <laughs> so funny. So, that's so funny. I because what's David hilarious is... Car- is Jimmy Jump, I feel like, wins that scene. Oh, for sure. Yes, he gets he spit on, but he gets all the good lines afterwards. But and David, I don't know. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. No, but just David Caruso, this is early in his career. Right. And he's kind of a he's kind of a badass in this movie in his own right. And Right. But I, I, yeah, I'm so surprised that that went down that way, that story. Happy but. accident of Hollywood, though, because then... So then um, Lawrence Fishburne gets the role of Jimmy Jump. Yeah, and then it was written more like a straight gangster movie, almost a straight mafia movie. Yeah. Um, Lawrence Fish uh, Fishburne or Larry, as he was called at the time, did, makes the choice to uh, basically dress like Run DMC. Yeah, and um, put the hip hop element into it. Yeah, he and, didn't even have to audition for the part. He just right. He showed up that way. He wanted that part. And Fishburne they, they originally saw him had and they, the. Yep. He originally had the part of Wesley Snipes' character in the movie, the cop. Correct. And, and so that's how we get Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is really the lucky one because no, Fishburne was established at least in Hollywood up to this point. Yep, with, correct. So this would make sense as to why Snipes was living in his car because they kind of probably had to find someone later in the stages here and that totally you know, so kind once, of matches up. once Fishburne takes the part, they then recap or like in the casting they then make the choice to cast African Americans as the rest of the gang yeah before they were going Italian like more like more Goodfellas style like, like every other so many mobster movie so yeah. so funny that that because um uh Russo does not want to be spit on by by Caruso now I mean the African American community is the reason this movie lives on oh for they sure re- they revived this thing in video and they and it's just happy accident of of Hollywood. Uh, we're not me and you are not talking about this movie right now. If if Russo, it plays Jimmy Jump. So I you know how sometimes on the internet you see your friends post like their answers to like random questions. Yep. I saw the this post that the best movie ever was, and one of my former kindergarten teachers that I worked with posted this movie to the point where I had to comment on her public post and be like Chris Walken question mark and she said yes so good and I was just like OMG this is a kindergarten teacher like from Idaho 
Right. And her favorite movie is King of New York. Hey, like, the action worked, too, for me. It was kind of a love letter to that Hong Kong cinema style. So, and it, it yeah. was really... It, it, I was digging the action. I, I, was, uh, I, I wrote was down... Thing. I wrote down four things. I, but what perfect. about you? Per- oh, no, I wrote down four things. I wrote down Frank White. Yep. The music. <laughs> yeah. The performances. And the kills. Yeah, so we're pretty much all on the same page. The action sequences, I feel like, could have been better staged. And I'll get into that with what doesn't work. But as far as... I have one that I hate, but... As far as the kills go, this has some of the best kills I've ever seen in a movie. Every single kill is brutal. You feel it. It, Like you said, it has that Hong Kong feel. And interesting that you say... One of the re- I should have brought it up when I talked about why we watched this movie or whatever. The reason I put it on the list, having a movie I've never seen before, was uh, Quentin Tarantino considers this film a masterpiece. And, and something like one that. of his top ten all-time films. And I could see how he has some elements of this movie in some of his movies. So that, that, yep. that's not surprising to me at all. Uh, and, and Tarantino he, loves the Hong Kong cinema too, so that he also does. And makes so he sense. saw. I think he saw those elements. He likes a yeah. gritty movie. Um, and actually, this movie came out right while he. Uh, it was released right after he got his break. Yeah, with Reservoir Dogs. Uh, with Reservoir, uh, no, with uh, True Romance. The oh, with writing with, True Romance. With the writing of the like, it, his screenplay got bought, and this movie was released shortly afterwards. But okay, it. Anyway, he considers it a, a masterpiece. And so I, I was like, well, if it's good enough for Tarantino. It's good enough for movie tales. I wonder if he still considers tales. it a masterpiece. Oh, yeah. He does a, okay. long, he does a long interview on okay. some... I can't remember where I, I heard it. Because so I, I always wonder about that. Don't you but feel like you over time you've changed your opinion you on change certain opinion. movies? Yeah, but okay, I feel like Tarantino is a guy that has like conviction that doesn't like... For sure, for sure. I also... I, I wonder he. I wonder how many masterpieces Tarantino he, has in he, his like. I could. I could see him just. I don't know. I could be wrong. His top fifty speak. could be five hundred deep. Is what you're saying? Exactly. I don't want to speak for him, but I, I he, a guy like that that sees so many. I mean, let's face it. He's me and you see probably more movies than anybody we know. Yeah. I bet you he's seen ten times as many movies as we've seen, <laughs> and uh, for sure, if and not before, more. Before we jump into favorite scenes, I also have one other thing that worked. The character of Test Tube, which is also a cool character name, and that would be a very, very young and upcoming Steve Buscemi who makes his appearance in this movie. And this is before he latched onto the Coen brothers. So he kind of latched onto the Coen brothers right after this and did a bunch of movies with them, obviously. But we see him early on in the mo- in this movie, and when, when we were watching it, I was like, holy cow, that is Steve Buscemi. <laughs> oh, Steve, Steve Buscemi's great. Did you catch the, uh, did you catch the young Harold Pernew? Yeah, the guy from uh, Oz and Lost. Uh, yep. Absolutely, Michael, and, and I, I forget his character name from, Lo- I mean, from Oz, but yeah, on the subway. That's a great scene. Let, just jump into favorite scenes. What's your favorite scene? Um... Uh- Walking in the apartment of the police of is it the police chief or like the district attorney? Or the Not police the captain? police chief. When he's talking to Roy at his place to tell him about the two hundred fifty k that scene. Yeah, and he has on him tied his, up on his head. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I I just that scene is where you and where he just basically lays it out for him and he says that like people are going to do coke 
whether he's there or not. He's yeah. simply a businessman. And, and it's a really good point. It, it, it is. unfortunate it is. I mean, it turns... I was kind of already on Frank's side, especially my second, my rewatch when I understood the plot more, but it completely turns me on his side. I'm like, he's absolutely right. Like, there's... This guy's buying hospitals, making, making the city better, and... They're spending they're they're spending two hundred and fifty thousand dollars just trying to kill him, not prevent sure. and that's not preventing anybody from doing drugs. It's just going to create a power vacuum. Yeah, and it. I hadn't seen it laid. Not that that hasn't been done before in mob movies or even that argument made before, but I hadn't said it seen it put so eloquently, and I just love. It's also a good scene because it's tense because you're like, even though. You're on Frank's side. The police chief, he's not a bad guy either. So you don't really want him to, you don't necessarily want him to die. Yeah. So it's like a tense scene where like, you're like, what's Frank going to do? And then you're kind of okay. And it's, it's kind of, it's awesome the way he does that. He just, the, the way he just leaves him there. And, um, well, it's a really cool moment because he, he, you know, he basically turn he, he puts the tables on him. I want yes. you to feel. I'm gonna let you feel what I feel. Looking over your back. Yeah, every day. Correct. Correct. What really, about you? It's a good moment. My favorite scene. It, that's my second favorite scene. So I'm glad I had a second one. Uh, my favorite scene is when Frank takes out Artie Clay at the Italian, you know, at the Italian mobster table, when yep. he just shows up with the whole whole group. <laughs> that's my second money. favorite scene. Awesome. Yeah, that's funny. Takes the money. And then the, as he walks away, as soon as he turns his back, the guy says, you really think you're going to get away with this? And he just, he also has some unpleasant words. I don't, you know, I don't need to lay out the whole quote here. Of course. Uh, the movie was almost an X rating for a reason. But <laughs> right. He, and he just turns around and he unloads this whole gun into him. And, and, and we see him do like a couple of lines in between and then add a couple more bullets into him just for good measure. And then he tells his whole crew basically how that guy screwed him over and he's greedy and you can come work for me. Yeah. Anybody that wants, <laughs> I'm over at, I'm over at the plaza. Yeah. Uh, good. Just like the guys on the subway. He's there. I know, love that. I love moment. when he throws, he throws the money at him yeah. <laughs> and says, come by my, come by the plaza. I think I you should work for, for me. Yeah. Uh, I think I've got work for you is what he says. But I mean, how about that scene with the DA? I mean, as much as that doesn't work, it's such a hot scene. <laughs> oh, I was like, holy cow! Scene. Look at this risky business 2.0. <laughs> there's some good. Um, there's some good stuff. Frank Frank Bite is the fucking man. Let's just put it that way. The only other scene I had that was real close for me, and it's a ridiculous scene, and uh, it's kind of silly, but it works so fucking well. Is I love Caruso's death. Oh yeah, at the end. Where he just yeah. out of no it so out like I I really didn't see that coming. It's just, just so it, like it's just his way of saying you're not gonna get away with what you're it's doing. a great fuck you moment. Yeah. <laughs> like and Caruso, at that point Caruso is such a piece of shit. Like you, I mentioned not wanting to necessarily kill the kill the uh, chief in the uh, apartment. I yeah. had no remorse for Caruso's character. Really, no, like. he's so good though. 
That's why. Like, this is before he decided to do, long before he ever did CSI Miami, which I was or never NYPD, a fan of. Or right before right before he does NYPD Blue. I actually But he was good on NYPD. This, he was great that, on that NYPD. Was, that was the difference. CSI, he's, you know, one of the worst ever, and it's on record that he's just epic bad. But, but they uh, love him. I know. They I don't fucking know love him. They love, the, they, they love the way that he puts those shades down. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's you say he's bad I'm telling you there is a cult following of David Caruso oh. CSI out there that worships the feet and you know what he you know who doesn't care David Caruso you know how much money he makes on those CSI reruns what's your top Frank White quote that's going it's the scene that I mentioned you think ambushing me in some nightclubs gonna stop oh, yeah. what makes people take drugs <laughs> this country spends a hundred billion a year on getting high and it's not because of me at that time, I was wasted in jail. It just got worse. I'm not your problem. I'm just a businessman. That's right. And it's such a good moment. That was my. It was one of two quotes I had written down. My other quote was, you probably had it written down too. From now on, nothing goes down yep. unless I'm involved. No blackjack, no dope deals, no nothing. A nickel bag gets sold in the park. I want in. You guys got fat while everybody started on the street. Now it's my turn. And it we just see that combined with the whole hospital thing. Yep. How can you not root for Frank? How can you not exactly. be on Frank's side? And to my point, I feel like the movie should have sold his plan better to us. And by sold, I don't mean like, I think they sold it fine. It just explained it. Because in the first watch, I didn't really get it until that scene. That, that's just, I mean, that leads into what didn't work for us. Well, let me, so. I, I got to give you a Jimmy Jump quote. I don't oh, think you gotta leave Jimmy? Jimmy jump out. Yes, he says, "I want to know who I'm selling drugs to." You know, you know what I mean. And then Joey says, "You don't sell drugs, my brother. You shoot people." And Jimmy says, "Yo, I'm unemployed. Then ain't nobody left." <laughs> Taking everybody out. And I, and I got one more Jimmy jump, and then I'll let us move on. I, he's just he's so Lawrence Fishburne's fucking good in this movie. He's amazing. Uh, it was, what a special treat it was. And it was a treat. I think, for me, we always knew. I knew him from Boys in the Hood and not this. So now I know this him is, from this and This Boys is prior to, this is before Boys in the Hood, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was a couple of years. Boys in the Hood, I think, was 92. So, so he, I got, he's a fucking glitter boy. He's looking to get sprayed, laid, played, and slayed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Frank... I heard that. I heard that. Oh, yeah. In a high-pitched, like, I heard that. So I'm probably going to have to edit does that. Anybody, <laughs> does anybody deliver lines like Christopher Walken? I, no. He has a way to deliver fucking... other than Chris Walken. He, he has a way to deliver great. lines that, like, you can't... You almost can't unhear him. Like, it's... And you can't imagine... I'm actually, you know, I'm actually pretty good at imagining other people play different parts or whatever. Yeah. When Christopher Walken delivers a line, I have a hard time imagining anybody else ever saying it. Because he yeah. so just owns the entire, like, spirit of it. He has I, the weirdest scene imaginable <laughs> in Pulp Fiction, and you can't take your eye off the screen because of how he tells the story. What about that dance he does in the very beginning when you're not sure what's going on between him and Jimmy? Oh. And he's like, you know, there's just some things I'm not into. Yeah. And then he does that fucking dance. Yeah, and that's yeah. So that yeah, that's right. 
there at the beginning where we are seeing this timeline unfold that we kind of don't know what we're seeing because we're not sight, not quite sure yet, which is cool because right. it's, it's it adds to that scene. So it does. It, it, it does. It, it add, and it's only like twenty seconds of tension, and it's a long twenty seconds because but it's a great twenty seconds for sure. It, I agree. It is. I, I'm glad I we was, brought it up because neither of us yeah. talked about it in our favorite scene. So I'm glad we're getting giving it some love here. But it, it is. It's a really really cool scene, and I also love that. We never gave mention to his hot female assassin bodyguards. That's yeah, pretty and cool too. I freaking love that. That he the, the another cool touch to this movie, adding bodyguards like uh, during the shootout at the nightclub, the one literally jumps right in front of him. Oh, yeah, that's what they do. They're his bodyguards. It, and they make a point to show us like you said, and you get some caveats with them being your bodyguards, but it, they also make a point to show that he clearly is in this relationship with his attorney. <laughs> he is. So what didn't work for you, Mark? I hate the ending. I hate it. I hate the ending so much that that's what that's what makes this movie from being great for me, probably. As much as I know like the time, like not the timeline, but the there's a lot of story elements that aren't really... Sp- the, the exposition's pretty shitty in this movie, and I don't really need too much exposition, but this could have used a little bit more. You know, I'm always the, I'm always the guy that like gets frustrated with too much. Yeah. But holy shit, you got to give me something. Right, exactly. But we could have <laughs> used a little more to make sense of what. Frank I mean, was one to do with new the hospital. Just like we said. all what, all that would have taken was like a couple conversations. Yeah. I don't one phone call. I don't. I don't. <laughs> one phone I don't, call to somebody. <laughs> give me. I. I'm not even sure. That, like, five minutes might have done it. Yeah, and, yeah. But even. It's, you don't even need that. It's, I'm always preaching less is more, but sometimes you got to have enough too. Like, let's not leave the cupboard. Maybe you have a phone empty. call with the. Maybe you have a phone call with the DA, right? Slash girlfriend telling him I can't do this because of where I'm at in my career, and where you're at, and he just lays the cards on the table and says, "Listen, this is what my long term plan is," and then we're over here like, "Oh, oh, okay." And then we're all because, working yeah, we with, really do. We're all working with Jimmy. And yeah. Like, yeah, or not Jimmy, Frank, Frank and Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, Frank and Jimmy. But uh, agreed. So I hate. I just hate the ending. How we we have this awesome movie with Chris Walken and Frank, just embodying Frank White, and all of a sudden the entire police force is on the street in Manhattan looking for him in a cab, and he got a bullet. In the gut, in, on, the subway, on the subway, and just bleeds out. Did you? Would you and, rather it be like him got blaze of glory? Would you rather it have been like a shootout, or did you know, not want him to die? What? I, I, re- I rewrite know. the ending for me, Mark. I well, I haven't thought about a rewrite because the director and the writer spent five years writing what they did, and they thought this was the best that they could come up with. So obviously, they put for plenty of thought into this. So I don't want to discredit them. But it just, I don't know, it doesn't work for me because he's just so cool. And I hate watching his last moment be him bleeding out in an empty cab. And I I guess I took it as, I I don't hate it as much as you do, but I don't love it. So I think what they're trying to say is that he was kind of out of moves. And he's such a chess player that him jumping out of the car and going out like, uh, Scarface style or whatever isn't quite Frank. Yeah. But basically, the reason he was dead is he was cornered, and he kind of I think, I think the idea was that uh, Frank realizes that he's out of moves, and he kind of hit checkmate. 
Um, Speaking of Scarface, did you see this movie had early comparisons for the violence level? And uh, the, the, the director's big to... the director's big quote is that uh, yeah. he makes Scarface look like what did he say some I I Just don't make, basically dis, basically said you know Scarface looks like a cartoon compared to, to, the, to, to it's, King when Leo. this director talks about this I mean you should always be proud of your work but like did you read some of the quotes this director is really proud of this movie and not that he shouldn't be but it's just it I I'm impressed by the confidence the guy's running on. <laughs> he's running on a lot of confidence. Hey, uh, you know, he's he's the director of a cult classic. Which is true. true. Good for him. There's not I, that many cult classics when you look at how many this, movies have this been This is made. true. Well, and a hard time to make a cult classic because I don't think, like, it wasn't late 90s, kind of the heyday of, like, every studio is making indies because that's, like, the end thing. I'm not sure in 1990 there was a ton of indies. You know, um, yeah. and I'm not sure that a ton of movies get out of the film festival circuit the way they do nowadays, yeah. where like indies are kind of more well funded. So uh, I could be wrong about all this. I wasn't following the biz back in 1990, but no, you it, were uh, playing you know, basketball in elementary school. That's right. That's right. What you I put that you were going to the movies once or twice a month. <laughs> <laughs> the main we kind of covered that the lack of exposition and I was just I thought the script was confusing. The other thing that I had is I don't think I think the action scenes could have been staged a little bit better. I love the kills, but for example, like the shootout in Little Tokyo, like uh, that could have been a really cool scene. And it's just a little sloppy. Yeah, and. Also, like, and that's just the director. Do you not, buy not, that? Not to do this. Do you buy that nobody dies on Frank's side? Of and that's not. It? Like, I mean, I get, I, I, I even get they have the jump on them, so it's going to be like an eight to two. But they, they, they win that shootout like twenty zero. I <laughs> like. I, I think they would have put up a little bit more of a fight. <laughs> 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 you shut them out, boys. Like, there's everybody good. <laughs> Right, like one, they didn't find one bullet to hit any of them. Like, oh, I mean, maybe they, if if they're that bad at gangsters, maybe they needed to fall. Um, (laughs) Maybe that's why Frank knew he had an opening. Uh, But I just, I think they could have been staged better. I'm I'm with you, and and that's probably just lack of experience and lack of money. I would imagine the budget was probably tight for this. Because did you see who funded this movie? This movie was in, uh, entirely funded by Italian political magnate Silvio Berlusconi, the richest man in Italy, financed the film through New York-based producer Jay Julian and Italian intermediaries. And just because you're the richest man in Italy, that doesn't mean you're not you're giving unlimited movie unlimited money to some movie. Uh, just while we're talking about funding, one thing that kept it on the cheap that I know is just a story that we've got to tell our audiences is did you did you see uh that donald trump let them shoot all the scenes in the plaza for free because that was his hotel at the time so the reason was he agreed for all the shooting to be free if christopher walken would pose for a picture with ivanka so he agreed and trump gave him the run of the plaza wow that's uh, just for a photo. Just just for a photo. It's easy. 
That's easy sell. That's good on the budget. Wait, we just need my lead to take a picture I can with see. your wife. All right, done deal. <laughs> I I could see Donald liking the uh, attention of, of uh, his place in a movie. Don, he's he likes attention sometimes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> career corner. Chris Walken. We already covered right? the director. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's his best movie? Wow. Oh, I love him in. A few things. I love, I, I love him in Catch Me If You Can. Forgot about that performance, but it's good call. I, I, that's where I, I think. I mean, as much as he's been in, I know him from Pulp Fiction, obviously, but that's a five-minute scene. So I can't really say that that's my favorite Chris Walken performance. Sure, sure. But this is pretty darn good, and this movie's only good because of him. So, all the Walken mannerisms and everything I think of when I think of Christopher Walken, I feel like is Frank White. Uh, like it, it, it feels. I mean, I think of Christopher Walken as like a mob boss of some kind. Uh, that is a little like off kilter, and delivers mm-hmm. kooky lines, and it literally Frank White. Like I feel like he's playing some version of Frank White in. I and that's why I wonder if this movie kind of created that persona that uh, we know we know him as. He's done a bunch of stuff. He's really into theater, and he, he's just kind of all over the place. Look at his filmography, man. He has some talk about credits. I, he kind of got his start with Sean Connery in a, mo- a heist movie called The Anderson Tapes. Okay, but that was way back in nineteen seventy. Yeah, and then he's in Annie Hall. He's in the Woody Allen movie Annie Hall. He plays Diane Keaton's younger brother. Oh, that's he's right. like the suicidal brother. That's right. And then he got a Best Supporting Actor for the movie the De- in The Deer Hunter. He got an Oscar for that. So he was really popular in the 70s, but unfortunately we weren't around then, so we kind of missed out on that. He surprised audiences with his dance skills in Pennies from Heaven a year later. And that, you know, he's always been famous for his dance skills, but that's where he introduced it was then. But once again, that's when when you were born. So <laughs> it was all kind of before our time. We know him from Joe Dirt. We know him from Wayne's World. We know him from Pulp Fiction. But he had a much popular 70s run, obviously, a much more critical 70s run. You know, sure. He won an Oscar then. So he's, it, he's great in Wayne's it, World. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he always tries to work a dance into his movies. And so you mentioned the, the dance at the beginning of the movie. That's his, one of his trademarks. So that's kind of oh, I didn't know thing. that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And he's, uh, he's, great. he's really into his he dark... Has some great uh, SNL, he had some great early 90s SNL skits. More cowbell, baby. And <laughs> he's, uh, he's really into just monologues. Like you said, the, the Pulp Fiction monologues, the big yeah. standout there, but these haunting, dark, humor-filled monologues. And then he has that 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 real unique delivery that you mentioned, but he we're, he's just kind of a, a real quirky actor, so he's very memorable for me, uh, and yep. I think that's why we all like him. At first, in my movie watching career, wasn't necessarily a fan, but then the more of him you see, the more he kind of grows on you, to the point where you're like, okay, this guy's cool. He's just doing something a little bit different from everybody else. Yeah, um, you know how he got his start was he was in a skit. As an extra on the Jerry Lewis show, 
uh, well, okay. the Colgate Comedy Hour in 1950, and Dean Martin was a guest with Jerry Lewis on this show. He was and just he was in two extra. movies. He was just in two movies this year. You realize this guy's been doing movies for seventy fucking years. Seven, seven years in show business. Yeah, that's that, crazy. It's, it's, that's impressive. Yeah, he was ten when this happened. When he met when he met Jerry Lewis when he was an extra on this show. Oh, one more note. You'll love Please. this. You know who George Lucas's second choice for Han Solo was? Was it Walken? Chris Walken. <laughs> that is a very different take on the uh, Han Solo character. <laughs> Oh, I can act. I can act to fit that in. For I can actually see it. Um, I don't like it, but I can see it. I can see because uh, he's just quirky enough where he's like. You remember the famous actress Natalie Wood, who mysteriously disappeared. Yes. Uh, yes. Drowned the night she drowned on a yacht. He was on that boat. Of course he was. <laughs> I don't even know what to. Uh... Who else was on that boat? Uh, I don't know the whole story there, but there's a here in Vegas the, at the Haunted Museum. There's um, relics from that boat in one of the rooms All at right. Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. Did Come she, check it out; it's I, pretty awesome. I love haunted museums. I think I will. Uh, okay, next time you're in Vegas, we're going. Remind me because you're gonna love it. <laughs> I'm in. I love that shit. Yeah. Oh, and he danced with Judy Garland at Liza Minnelli's 16th birthday party. This guy's just phenomenal. He's what? just got so many weird things. What a cool <laughs> career. <I'm> like... <laughs> Metal podium. Obviously, we know who our goals are. We'll get there in a second. But, Jeff, what are your medals? All right, my bronze goes to David Caruso. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that we're going to have the same metal podium. The okay. man just knows how to play a cop. He knows how to play a douchebag cop. He does. He, he a does. Stereotypical douchebag cop. He does. Uh, like, yeah, I this, don't think other this cops movie doesn't... watch David Caruso and are like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie. This movie does not do a whole lot for the unfortunate state of police popularity in the year 2020. Uh, this would like no. this, this movie does not help their cause any no. way, shape, or not form. We had police in this movie. <laughs> Basically, take matters into their own hands and, and shoot out. Go into a shootout. Have, and a, have a shootout all across the city. It's insane. That whole scene is kind of insane. It almost doesn't work for me. It, well, it really doesn't. I don't know where they get the money to fund. And then the, where is the police department getting two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to put on like this guy's head? I I don't think they. I uh, yeah, I don't know. And I, and I mean, I agree with you. And also. I get that the they're way, pissed they off and they don't I get that they're head. pissed off and they don't want them to win. But they mentioned earlier in the film that they only make like thirty six K or whatever. So for thirty six K they're going in guns blazing into like I don't even know if that makes sense. I I'm with you on a lot of just a lot of everything. Um, and to be honest, I've always wondered I also I've don't always... know how I also don't know how Frank White gets away from that. Love that funeral scene. I also don't know how he gets out of there. You're telling me there's not police officers staged in every corner and he just drives up with a shotgun and a limo. It just rolls down the window and says, hey, you. Boom. <laughs> Great scene, though. I don't want anything different. Uh, so my silver goes to Lawrence Fishburne. He is fucking cool in this movie. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne has had a great career, but I almost feel like it could have been better. Because I think yeah. of all the movies he's in, he's really good. Yeah. But I don't... Outside of The Matrix, I mean, 
uh, I don't know if he has as many iconic roles. I don't know. I'm seeing his the, the young Lawrence Fishburne in this movie, and he was damn good. I just wonder. Uh, maybe I'm being too hard on him. He's out. Isn't he doing CSI? Didn't he do CSI too? Did everybody in this fucking movie make, start... Is Christopher Walken starring in CSI as well? <laughs> Well, the irony of Wesley Snipes is he went to jail for tax evasion and he played a cop in this movie, so that's, that's kind of funny to me. But yeah, Wes, well, it was interesting to me. Like it was like it felt like ni- early nineteen ninety felt like peak Wesley Snipes time, um, but I guess this was just a little early for it. Just right uh, before he took off, and and like he's really outshined by Lawrence Fishburne in this movie. Not that Wesley oh, Snipes is fine, which in makes this film. sense. Which but makes sense. He was living in his car. This was he, he was living was his in first, his car. This was his first break. So well, he didn't like, really get Lawrence a great. Fishburne, he didn't really get hey, a great he, role either. Like he Caruso kind of gets to shine in that role, and uh, he Snipes just has to kind of take a lot of the shit. I keep in mind, keep in mind, Lawrence Fishburne was acting since the late 70s. He, this is fair. I think his first movie is, in, is Apocalypse Now. He has a small bit in Coppola's Apocalypse Now. That's, he is in Apocalypse Now. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So that's his one of the, first One of the reasons Tarantino credit. loved it as, as much as he did. He actually called uh, Lawrence Fishburne. He said it reminded him of an early brand. It reminded him, his, this performance reminded him of early Brando. Yeah. So, which was, I thought was interesting. But he gets my silver, gold, no shockers, Christopher Walken. This movie does not work with that. Even as great as Fishburne and Caruso and everybody is, it doesn't work without Walken. Uh, yeah, he, for sure. He owns this movie. What do you got, Mark? Same thing? Yeah, my medals are exactly the same, actually. I pondered giving Abel Ferreira a medal, but at the end of the day, there's just too many things that I have wrong with this. Uh, yeah, with I, this movie to give the director a medal to put him on the podium. So yeah, I'm I telling you, it could have been a great. I'm, this could have been one of the greats. The, perfor- the the hard stuff is there. The performances, the characters, the dialogue. You just had to explain what the fuck was going on, and maybe have some shootouts where people die on both sides of the uh, of the battlefield. Yeah, in the original cut of this movie, they cut about 16 minutes out of this movie to get rid of the x rating so i doubt there was much exposition cut i'm assuming they it was cut a lot of violence and and tna is so my, is my guess yeah. um, i would agree with that but uh it is about that time it is that time actually it's literally 1208 everybody so uh, jeff you got some midnight ponderings for us yeah i have a couple actually uh does the wire and the shield owe a lot to this movie Ooh. Because both of those shows kind of have the go back and forth between the good guys and the bad, the, the cops and the drug dealers or the gangs. And I think this is too kind of that same moral me. ambiguity. No, I said, do they? No, owe I don't. I think I think this is too sloppy for David Simon. So I don't think David Simon really used from this. But I think the Shield might have. Now that you talk about that. There's, I can see a lot of Vic Mackey and his strike team crew. Right. In, sure. But uh, what, does this movie ever get made if it weren't for Chris Walken? What if it's, what if it's somebody else? Do we even well, ever see this you don't movie? Think, you don't think Harvey Keitel would have got it made? Uh, well, yeah, he gets it made. But do we see it? I don't think we're still talking about it. It feels like Frank White is like... I mean, Biggie made a fucking song about it. Like, maybe he makes, maybe he makes a song about Harvey Keitel. That's an yeah, maybe. that's an interesting pondering. Maybe if Lawrence Fishburne 
goes and it's Harvey Keitel, it's uh, Harvey Keitel's Frank White is still the Frank White. I mean, I'm sure of. it's decent with Harvey Keitel, but I mean, Chris Watkins is just so. He's like, so damn good in it. I, and he's so perfect in it. I kind of tend to agree with you. I just, I was, I don't know. Harvey Keitel would, would be fine in this, but Chris Walken does a magnificent job. I just don't think, I don't think if Russo takes that part yeah. and it's traditional mafia movie, one of the things that works for this movie, it's, it's a little bit different than, um, there's too much wrong with this movie to roll, to roll it up to, uh, the Godfather and Goodfellas. Oh, obviously for sure. So I think it me. needs that different angle to like yeah. kind of succeed on its own. It's my I'm so glad you had head. the fish. I'm so glad you had the Fishburne pondering because my only other pondering was, uh, is this the best Lawrence Fishburne's ever been? And, and I think it is. And it's interesting you say that because th- that's absolutely how Tarantino felt. Yeah, so, I, I think it is the best he's ever been. At, uh, at least that I can recall. Really good. I, mean, I mean, he's Matrix is pretty damn good. He's great as Morpheus in the Matrix, yeah, and he's really good in Boys just, in the Hood. But he's, I don't know that I've ever liked him better either, actually. He's he fucking really cool in this movie. He's the screen in this he's, movie. He's, he's never been so, he's always plays that real straight Those Lawrence, are definitely the top three, though. He sure. always plays that real straight Lawrence Fishburne, like in all his other movies. And in yeah. this movie, he gets a little loose. Like, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a angle I haven't seen from Fishburne. And I kind of wonder why he put it away. Like, yeah. why he didn't channel that more. Um, I would have liked to have seen that. I'd, but um, anything no, we that's a, any, that's, a, that's a good pondering. Anything we missed? Um, did you hear about? We were talking about Biggie. Did you hear about when uh, Christopher Walken called Biggie? No, I did not hear that. So uh, Christopher Walken once called Biggie's hotel room and he left a message and said, "Hey Biggie, this is the real king of New York," and then hung up. <laughs> I thought that was a fucking awesome story. That is. Awesome. I hope and it's true. I could, I could totally see him doing that. I could too. Sure. I like. For I, sure. I just and just getting a kick out of it. I'm sure Biggie loved it too. I I think that's just fucking cool. Uh, yeah. We talked about people talking, walking out. Do we talk about um, how Snipes got the part? No, I no, not exactly. Uh, so they they actually were shooting a pilot as partners, David Caruso and Wesley Snipes, because they were really good friends. And it was a pilot that didn't get purchased, uh, but Caruso thought that Wesley Snipes was so good, he kind of begged the director to put Snipes in the film. Yeah. And their two roles in this got... Got them and their next each, work. Their their biggest roles. Got them their breakout roles. Yeah. David Caruso's breakout role was NYPD Blue and Wesley Snipes was New Jack City. So how funny is that? So they definitely Yeah, this movie this movie paved the way for their careers. So Right before cool for the the scene where he takes the hostage on the uh, train. Um he was working with Walken was working with an actress that had never acted before. And he prepped her for it and told her, I'm going to do something really awful to you. Didn't tell her anything of what was going to happen. Yeah, like, I saw that. I'm going to do something really awful to you, but I promise I will not hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he prepped her. Um, but yeah. Final thoughts? I'm glad I now know who Frank White is. And this is ultimately a movie, like I said, that the sum of its parts are better than the movie itself and it's almost 
enjoyed it, but it's almost a disappointment to me because I feel like this one had potential to be great. And I think they're just almost there and it just kind of lands in the good category instead. But I think it could have been great because there's so much great stuff here. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. and But I am glad I watched this cult classic. Of course. And this movie, it's got a huge following. I totally understand the, this fan base and where they're coming from. Frank Wright is one bad dude. And I just wish the ending was better for me. But at the end of the day, it doesn't ruin it. So it was awesome meeting Frank Wright and yeah. making that biggie connection with all his songs. It really, I want to go look back how many songs is referenced. And I know it's more than two. But uh, on behalf of Jeff and myself, thanks for listening, everybody, to another edition of Movie Tales. We'll be back again soon. Take care.